Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Myths and Stories. Uh, tonight we're going to be continuing our series on the history and uh, stories around the Awoken people and Mara and Aldrin and everyone in between. Uh, and say when we last left off, I believe that was uh, Palingenesis 1 from the book Mara Senna. I uh, we had just uh, watched the the group of Awoken that had um, decided to leave the soul system with Mara and Aldrin um, to go back, or decided to leave the distributary. Excuse me, to go back to the soul system to try to help the people there and and repay this cosmic debt that they had um, to their their parent system. Uh, the there was a group of awoken that still that lived in the distributary that uh did not agree with that stance um and tried to um force them to stay by trying to shoot them down i uh, in which uh, mara responded by just pumping all the rockets to the red line and shooting through the portal as fast as they could and uh that's that's where we left off that's right so yeah, that's that's where we left off last time. Um, tonight we're gonna pick up pretty much in the the same spot. Palingenesis two from the Marasena book, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna be hopping around a little bit. Uh, we've mostly been sticking with Marasena up till this point, but now we have things kind of happening all over the place um, as the the timeline continues. So, I uh, if not this episode, definitely the next few. We're gonna be um, pulling from multiple sources, but for this, we're we're finishing off with the Marasena. Because uh, a lot a lot of this this section of the story um, is being told through uh, different grimoire cards or different uh, uh, gun or armor lore pieces, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely lots of information that we're pulling from other places once the Awoken re-enter the soul system and kind of get established. Um and and we'll we'll explore those and we'll make sure to to name what we're referencing when we we get to those points. Um so uh without further ado, we're going to jump right in. This is Palingenesis 2 from Marasena. And it starts us off like this. Here in this time without time, pocketed by the ever-scratching cosm, touched as an assassin touches the gun in the secret fold, there is an eon within, and I am going without. This is where we belong. In that space between, this is where truth collapses supercritical. There is a war, and its name is existence. There are two ways to fight. One is the sword, and one is the bomb. By the sword, I mean the way to fight that is tempered and solid, the way that is made from old things and that triumphs by the reduction to simplicity. This way is known to those who study the cosmos. Take any part of it at any time, and you will see an edge, and say this is a weapon. By the bomb, 
I mean that way of being that is complex and schematic and that must attain a criticality to attack. The way that is made from new things and that triumphs by the arrangement of intricacy. This way is known to those who study themselves. Take any component of the bomb in isolation and you will say, What is this? I cannot understand its purpose. Yet in it is the possibility of a fire. Numberless are the spaces that surround the universe. Subordinate and superordinate are their relationships to the intrinsic world that is only itself. We pass now through analogy space that will reify what was once subject into object. That power I held, which was agonistic to a mother's reproachment, will be realized and reified. First is the awareness of my vector which all who follow me held in their hearts. Second is the desire to hear my speech, which all who follow me curled in their ears. Third is the existence at the fault, which is the inner tension that all who follow me will sense. We are risen from man and fallen from heaven. We are made again in that fall. What was once us will not ever again be us. I am the uncrowned ever queen, and my only diadem will be the event horizon of the universe, which is my dominion. By falling, I will rise. There are an uncountable number of ways to be between zero and two. And that's the end of that one. Uh, so this one, this one's very metaphorical, but there's there's a few things that we can kind of pick out of this. The first is the whole sword and the bomb, right? The the sword, obviously, she's talking about sword. Like I, I to me, this is this is like Mara, like talking in her own head. Yeah. Um, and and she she talks about the sword, talking about the sword logic, and she even says, you know reduction to simplicity and we talked about that in the books of sorrow like that's 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 all sword logic so she's she even she is is having never i I think at least up to my knowledge up to this point never even heard of what a hive is or the or the books of sorrow or any of that so it's interesting to me that she picks out sword logic here but not calling it sword logic right she says you know there's there's two ways to exist the sword and the bomb and so I don't think she's directly referencing sword logic here. She's just, it just happens to coincide with the thought pattern of sword logic. The other is bomb logic, which is the opposite of sword logic. Uh, whereas it, reducing everything to, to a simplistic form, this is being the most complex thing. And looking at any one part of it by itself, you're like, I don't know what the fuck this does. This means that, like looking at a wire, you're like, okay, that's a wire. What? what purpose does that serve but then looking at the bomb as a whole it has a complexity to it and it needs each 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 individual part of it is reliant on every other individual part of it to um to obtain its goal to 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 exist as this explosion right um and and then the the next the next like several paragraphs here basically the rest of this entry um it, it, it's again it's it's very um 
what's that word? Um, I don't know. It's 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 not like it's very superficial. There, there's a lot of <laughs> there's not a lot of realism to this, you know. Um, but the things that I picked out was like first is awareness of my, of my vector. So basically, vector being you know a, a direction given a direction um, in a three dimensional space. Uh, it, typically, typically. Uh, Planes will use vectors when they're determining uh, where they're gonna, what what path they're gonna fly. So it gives you a not only a, a direction but also a speed. Um, is that that's another part of another part of the calculation for vector? Um, but definitely in a three dimensional space, you know, x y z axis along with uh, as well as speed. Um, but in this sense, I think it's more. I think it's less of a directional thing, and I think it's more of a like subconscious directional thing like what is what is our purpose in this universe and and i me mara is is thinking that thinking of what that is and to hold that purpose in all all of the awoken that have come with me hold that in their hearts the second is the desire to hear my speech uh which all who follow me curled in their ears and this one's interesting and I, and this one's going to come into play later on um and and I I again I don't want to I don't want to ruin I don't want to spoil anything here because it it's 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 a very interesting thing that it's mentioned here um, before we're before we the reader are made aware of it but that's that's one to keep in mind there that that desire to hear my speech uh, which all who follow me curled in their ears and then the third is the existence at the fault um, uh, which is the inner tension that all who follow me still sense so. It, there's definitely like they all sense this purpose going forward and and it's felt in between every single person that has crossed back over that event horizon back back through that black hole from the distributary into the back into the soul system yeah i i think there's a couple of things um i mean the the first thing is uh we have to remember the the marasena book is uh is autobiographical i think that's the right term it's being written by mara she's writing about her right. own story yep um she tells us that kind of in the prelude to the book um right so the very you know, first chapter that that yeah the, this some of this is is her interpretation of what is happening and her interpretation in her own way because we know she doesn't like to speak plainly she thinks language is a poor form of encryption uh, and it's very much her way to speak, maybe not in riddles, but in f trying to emulate a feeling more than a description via a word. Um, yeah. And that, that definitely seems to be kind of what she's aiming at here. I also wonder if the, the fact that she is first is the awareness of my vector. Second is the desire to hear my speech. Third is the existence at the fault. Um, that is very similar to me uh, to kind of how it was described as the uh, rules of the Awoken Society were established coming into the distributary. Oh. And I wonder if this is Mara maybe not remaking the Awoken in the same way that she she did when they entered the distributary for the first time, but she's setting the parameters that they will, 
that their beings will follow when they come out the other side into the soul system. Interesting. I never thought of it from that point of view, but I like that. I really like that idea. I like that. I like that idea that because she's it, because it's almost like passing through the event horizon is allowing her to create the parameters, whatever parameters she wants to set. Mm-hmm. And in this sense, she's creating those three parameters. That's an interesting. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay. Yeah, she's not rewriting their existence. They're not becoming a a new thing like they were going the other direction, but she may still be able to exert some control over what they end up as on the other side to to some degree. And I think, if, if if I'm looking at these cards right, we might actually be able to explore that tonight. Uh, that that those some of these parameters. Yeah. Because again, that 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 second one is the one that stuck out to me at first. And now thinking of it in the sense that you're explaining it, now all three of these are sticking out to me. So we're like, oh, that's why this is happening. That's why they can do this. That's why this happens. Da 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 da. So yeah, I'm I I like. See, this is why I leave all the theories crafting to myth because he is a genius. Um. And he just comes up with the best theories. And nine times out of ten, they end up being right. Or or really close to right. And I like it. I don't know about genius, but... <laughs> I, like, I like piecing things together. Um, yeah! That leads us into our next one here, which is going to be Palingenesis 3. Uh, and that one is going to go like this. The first Hulk they colonized was a one-kilometer habitat tender, reactors still burning, gravity still steady at three-quarters of Earth's. Driven by an AI long ago reduced to basic subroutines, the tender had completed its final mission to wrangle an Oort cloud comet down into the asteroid belt. When no orders came for the comet's disposition, it had set about gardening. The comet's surface was domed and soiled, and tethered mirrors kept taut by photon pressure focused starlight into a silvery radiance, which fed the oxygen forest well enough. It would have been a marvel of greenery and ancient ice, but the surface had caught fire recently. Oxygen-fueled flame killed nearly everything except insects and rats. But Mara judged it would be a good fixer-upper the rats the first intelligent life they had met since their return, and the insects edible. The hulls had not survived the unpocketing as well as their passengers. Those were the ships they flew over on. The micro-singularity wormhole, propped open by a precipitous spike of dark energy, pulled alloy and ceramic armor like taffy. Missiles mauled five of the hulls, Worst of all, the passage through the Nightmare Lehman between worlds had devastated onboard AI and logic systems. It was time to abandon their cocoons. Aldrin's survey located a reef of derelict spacecraft, apparently convoyed together for mutual aid in the asteroid belt. The Jensen scribes who had joined Mara on her journey were even now giddily cataloging cultural markers and ancient records. We'll salvage the hulls, Mara told Sheer Ido. 
pull out the raw materials and the systems we can still use, and bring the biosystems of these hulks back online. Once we have reliable gravity, we can start having babies. We'll need weapons, Shear said cheerfully. We don't have enough spare chemistry for fire teams right now, and the Maltech we brought with us would blow right through the hull. Also, line throwing tools and devices for launching satellites off the surface of asteroids, hulks, etc. You know what I'm thinking? I cannot say I can imagine, Mara said sarcastically. She imagined the sight of Shir Ido stringing her woman tall bow and passed the thought away like a card trick. Dwelling on such pleasantries would not do. Will it involve archery? Big old compound bows, with all sorts of tactical knickknacks. Sure paced in delighted thought. I'll be the first woman in the universe to place a, co- a comsat in heliocentric orbit with a longbow. You're absurd, Mara said, and at Sheer's uninhibited v- grin of delight, delight at the thought of exploring and rebuilding this entire reef with her, even at the terrible flinch-thrill idea of sending Shear into violence and danger, Mara felt a tinge of worrisome warmth and gladness. So, Shear said, lunging into that moment of weakness to get what she wanted, when will you tell everyone what's happened to Earth? At first, they had thought Earth a ruined world, but there were signs otherwise. At least it had not turned into a machine-gnawed corpse like Mercury. When Aldrin's back from deploying his drones, she narrowed her eyes. Sure, can you hear what I'm thinking? What, as in telepathy? The queen's bodyguard closed her eyes. Everyone's been feeling spooky, but I'm not sure it extends to transmitting... Mara! Good grief. That's the end of that one. Assuming, or, or seeming to imply that sure can maybe read her thoughts or is pretending to and finding something Naughty a little bits. uncouth. <laughs> uncouth. Yes, that's the technical word we'll use for that. <laughs> Naughty time is what I'm calling it. Uh... But not yet. We have to explain first. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, uh, they've arrived. You know, they they've popped through the other side of the the wormhole that led to the distributary. Um, it seems like they have survived. The ships have not, though. <laughs> uh, I I do like that. Like they they describe this, the hulls like it's just pulled anything that basically wasn't awoken into all sorts of scrappy bits mm-hmm. and, and just pulled it apart like taffy, like it was nothing. And so it, like, their first thought is, well, we can't, like, these holes aren't going to do. And then, of course, the missiles that damage some of the holes, I mean, they talked about that, like, even Ultra mentioned that, like, hey, some of the holes are going to get damaged. Mm-hmm. Some of them did get damaged. We see here that they did get, they, in fact, did get damaged uh, from the missile barrage. And so, like, they're they're obviously they're looking for somewhere to set down, and it's it's interesting too because we we have a we have a location here, the asteroid belt, um, and of course they brought some of the Jensen scribes with them, and they're all they're all you know oh look all sorts of fancy shit to <laughs> to catalog and and ancient ruins and stuff to mess with, but uh, 
their first their first whole thing is we got to find some place to to set down and live basically yeah um and and so they they find they find all this stuff i i do like the that they mentioned that the uh the ai and logic systems have just been completely wrecked because you know an ai or any any type of logic system passing through a black hole can't figure it out and so i mean <laughs> well and the the rules that dictated those logic systems in the distributary are probably different rules of physics than what they're experiencing now in the soul system. I didn't even think of it from that point of view, but that's, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) These AIs know what to do with this new set of rules of gravity and stuff. Um, yeah, (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they, so they have this, they have this deal. Uh, or they have this this little rock this that that had caught fire, but there's you know there's rats and insects and stuff that they're eating. They're eating the bugs. Um, which now I never went through seer seer training s e e r training when I was in the military, but that's that's like survival something 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 ranger all this other stuff. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of nutrition to be had in bugs, but I'm telling you right now, I am not eating a space cockroach. You cannot pay me enough to eat a space cockroach so good on the awoken people apparently they were living on them for a little while at least that's what it sounds like um yeah. but yeah so yeah. mara kind of sets these are the things we need to do we need to you know we we see that there's this asteroid belt of derelict spacecraft that um we think we can cobble together parts enough to to create a livable home um you know our our main goal uh, is you know figure out Just the systems we can babies. still use, get everything back online, <laughs> and then start populating. Start uh, making babies. <laughs> I love that. That's like one of the first <laughs> thoughts here. We'll salvage the holes, pull all the raw materials out that we can use, and bring all the biosystems back online. Once we have reliable gravity, that's the only stipulation she has. Once we have reliable gravity, we can start making babies. Like what? <laughs> But it, it's that's probably a bit of a, a culture shock, um, because the Awoken people up till this point oh. in the distributary, it was very regulated when they right. could have children, how many they could have, um, because they were immortal. They had to worry about exactly. finite yeah. resources and a potential infinite population, and that's now it's kind of the opposite concern. Like they're not immortal anymore; they can die. They will inevitably as time goes on now. And whereas before they never had to think about keeping a populace around, you know, having a, a, a constant at least number of, of awoken always, uh, right. you know, growing up. Now that is a concern. Um, now I don't know Absolutely. that it should be priority one, the way that <laughs> it seems to be placed here. But uh, I mean, at least we know where Mars' heads at, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> same, same spot all of our heads are at. <laughs> well, that and and her thought of uh, that little picture in her head of sheer stringing her longbow, apparently. Uh, oh yeah, Par- apparently Mar is uh, getting a little hot and bothered. <laughs> so we also discover here that they have already found out, you know, and clearly they've been here for a little bit, but not very long. Um, they've already found out that, that there is life still on earth. 
Um, yep. And you know, and that mercury has just gone crazy. Like yep. they, they're trying. It, it's interesting here too because I, I, uh, trying to piece timelines together and everything. We know that, um, we know that Vex were in the Soul System during the Golden Age. They helped. Uh, it. They helped. I say they. Um. The Vex were studied at the Ishtar Collective on Venus, and the Vex were used by Clovis Bray on Europa to create Exos. But it doesn't seem like everyone had knowledge or access to the knowledge of Vex. So for them to mention that Mercury is this machine-gnawed corpse, it's almost like they don't even know what the, that the Vex are there. So that that to me was interesting that that since Vex existed in the Golden Age and we know that that the Exodus Green uh, escaped during the collapse, like as soon as darkness had hit the system and hit their ships, that's how they escaped through the black hole. That they that they had no knowledge of the the um, machine Mercury. Well, we do know that Mercury was, at least outwardly, still terraformed uh, all the way back when St. Fourteen was first trying to guard colonies there. Uh, oh, that's right. So it would have looked, at least outward appearance, to, to still, you know, to be a, a traveler terraformed world, um, presumably with the, for with quite some time. the purple trees. Yeah. Like the PvP map. Yeah, I uh, and then at some point after that, it you know became this this machine world. Um, That's right. I completely forgot about that. And I I don't know how the colon how how Saint fourteen visiting Mercury you know in those those first instances timeline wise lines up with the Awoken coming forth into the oh absolutely the soul system again like we we have no timeline right now like we the awoken know like we know that 12.1 billion years have passed in the distributary but the awoken don't know how much time has passed on this side right on the soul side so i mean this 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 could have been from the time that they that from the time that mara booped the the black hole to right now in in our storytelling of this we have no we have no amount of we have an unknown amount of time has passed in the soul system. We do know from uh, some of the cards that that we're still going to read later tonight, uh, but we do know that it's at least uh, they come into the the soul system at least at the time of the dark ages on Earth, possibly before, but definitely they were they did not arrive later than that, like because they they reference gotcha. events. And that happened during then. Um, so, so definitely, obviously, post collapse because they were escaping during the yes, collapse. Yes, yeah. Um, we know that as far as the timeline, as soon as the collapse happened, that's when every single ghost was released, and and that's when the ghost started creating Risen. We don't know. We don't have an exact amount of time for how long it took Risen to be created. We have a little bit of time because of, um, and I'm going to reference one of our earlier episodes. Uh, uh, Ada One story, the story of Ada One that we covered, mm-hmm. um, one of our very first episodes, because uh, during that time they were they were doing the Black Armory stuff. The collapse happened. They locked themselves inside um, 
the Final Forge. I can't remember the name of it. It starts with a B. Berguzia. Yep, they locked themselves inside Berguzia Forge and were creating Ada-1 to be a mobile forge. And while they were out running around, they came across Risen. So we know that there was an amount of time there, but again, no no set amount. No, like, hey, this was exactly 10 years or something right, like that. Yeah. So we know that an amount of time passed before, because presumably the ghost didn't just pop out of the Traveler and just run around and find the first. I mean, obviously, some of them did find just the first thing they could. And was like, oh, that's my Guardian. Boop. Rezzed it. But we don't know if that was like in, you know, did that happen same day? Did that happen same year? Did that happen same millennia? Right. We don't yeah. know. But we don't have um, a good time frame there. So all that aside, to you know, we know it's at least Dark Age, maybe a little before for when they awoke and popped into the soul system, um, and started figuring out how to live here. Uh, and they had a lot of growing pains trying to figure out how to live here. Uh, so Absolutely. the the next um entry that we're gonna go into is. Uh, well, before we jump to that one, there's there's one last thing here that I wanted to uh, to touch on the yeah. the whole the, the sheer can can you hear what I'm thinking? Oh yes, yeah. That to me harpens back to that second that second point that that Mara made. Like I, this is this is so two things here. Obviously, this is the continuation of the of the relationship between Sheer Ido and the Queen. Um, well, the. I'm going to start calling her the queen because they, they even start calling her the queen in this entry um, or the previous entry. Well, yeah, she, previous she entry refers to herself as the uncrowned ever queen. Uncrowned. Yep. So the relationship between uh, Sheer and Mara is obviously continuing to grow here, but there's also, I think Sheer is starting to notice or, or Mara is starting to notice that people almost have telepathy with her. And I'm curious if that is, and again, that final line, the Mara, good grief. Like, we don't know if that's sheer playing with Mara, like just, ha <laughs> gotcha. Or if she really can hear what she's thinking. And that, like what you were saying, if that second law there created was created by Mara going forward in, back into the soul system, then there is absolutely telepathy happening between all the Awoken people on this side of the distributary, inside the soul system. And we explore that a little further, even. Uh, well, shit. So, our next entry here is going to be um, Revanche One, which is also the Marasena book. Uh, and oh, I meant to ask: Are there? Um, mm-hmm. I I think I asked last time too. The definition of palagenesis was that like a traveling? Uh, I do know we looked it up last time, but let's see. Palin. See, I'm gonna make you do your homework again. This is, so, this is what I get for leaving him on his own, people. Palingenesis is uh, the exact reproduction of ancestral characteristics. Oh. So that would... It's like a return to the... It's, it's a concept of rebirth or recreation. So recreating the people as they transition into the soul system, maybe. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, no, so the, the next one then is going to be, uh, Revanche one and, uh, Revanche in this case, uh, means, uh, a policy aimed at achieving the return of a nation's lost territory. So 
you know holy crap that's a mouthful <laughs> so it is the idea the awokener are coming into the soul system they are there to reclaim um their home their their previous home um, sure. which they had lost to this cosmic war that they you know fled somewhat unintentionally um all under the guise of of mara being the one person from the Exodus Green long ago that voted to go back to humanity to to return. Yep, she kept that idea this whole time. Return home, fight the fight. Uh, so yeah, this one goes like this. Aldrin returned to the reef during the long, unquiet night when the awoken people huddled in their beds and hammocks gathered in ice caves and half-lit habitat cylinders, haunted by visions and portents. Faces appeared to them in the sublimating swirl of cometary ice. Images and portraits became impossible to distinguish from their real counterparts. All statues were shrouded, lest they appear to passerbys as corpses. Something had changed in them after their return to the outer cosmos. A live-wire hum passed through the tendons in their hands. Their jaws popped when they swallowed, and flashes of light like the impact of cosmic rays obscured their vision. It felt to Mara as if they had lowered their feet into an ocean of change and raised their hand to some invisible cable overhead, as if they were now again in contact with immense and opposing forces that had left an ancient mark. I feel like I've got scurvy, Sheer Ido snarled, having never had scurvy in her life before. As if all these old wounds in my soul are opening up again. People keep sending me notes, Mara said. Her sensorium had died in the transit, so the notes came to her through whispers and scraps of precious paper. They say, I saw your face in my dream. I saw your eyes. I heard your voice. So it's not just me. Aldrin was the second person to bring her revelations on that day. First was Keldawaj, the all-teacher, one of Mara's most joyful recruits to the expedition. She was a master of pedagogy, able to mold any mind into a shape ready to learn, able to melt any fact into a fluid that could be poured. I'm in from the Jensen Labs, she said, and they've learned something wonderful. We're all a bit magic now. Tell me more. Mara poured her sniffer of icy cometary water. What does magic mean? Some sort of acausality. Kelda lowered her flower bulb build into a hammock of tangled plastic. They've been firing encoded neutrino beams through volunteers, and it looks as if the resulting patterns of scatter depend, depend on the cognitive and emotional state of the target. It's a very reliable detection, at least four sigma, but the effect size is terribly small. Mara digested this with a shot of ancient ice, slushy against her tongue. A causality. You mean that whatever's happening. Whatever influence we have on, say, neutrino beams, it's not accounted for by physics? 
Not by any physics we know. At face, it seems to violate some conservation laws, which would make Emmy Noether's head spin. Kelda remembers the names of her ancient physicist heroes, even when she cannot tell which way is sunward. Secret physics, Mara thought of the Traveler and its work. We've all felt it, haven't we? We know we're... How to say, trapped in the clinch between light and dark, she wondered, without quite so much portent. We're in contact with certain new... Numinous elements. Kelda held out her cup for more water. The question is, your majesty. Don't call me that. We're operating on a direct democracy here. Kelda rolled her eyes. The question is, do we continue to think of this as science? Do we teach it as physics? Causal closure says that everything that happens in a material system has a material cause. However, if symbolic structures in the mind are triggering material effect, shouldn't we call that what it is? Death had no dominion, Mara whispered. Part? We're in death's dominion now. We're all dying again. We were immortal in the distributary, weren't we? Some part of us was attuned. To the universe. And now that we're no longer receiving the distributary signal, we're attuned to something new. That was when the hatch slammed open and Aldrin stumbled in, grinning ferociously, clutching a scummy fistful of cytogel to a slash across his neck. Aliens, he rasped. I found aliens, and one of them tried to cut my throat. And that's where that it's chapter ends. <laughs> it's entries are getting great. <laughs> um, so, like, again, more of the, more of kind of telling, like, what's happening to them uh, since since coming to the reef, since getting more established. This, this whatever this new physics is, she calls it a casual. Can we call it paracausal? Um... I mean, it's, I are, assume is, are so. Are we under the assumption that's the same thing, or I, I, I think so, because because uh, even Mara mentions the the she thinks of the traveler when she thinks of this 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 causality, this physics, this magic. Yeah, and so here's here's the other fun thing about this discussion. Um, a causality is a real term. It exists. Right in uh it, it it exists at least in reference to theoretical physics right spontaneous combustion that's that's the that's the best explanation i've got for that paracausality did not exist before destiny came out that is a hundred percent a, a oh, word so made we're just up making shit up now <laughs> uh, so the definitions for it actually come from like bungie's grimoires uh get the fuck out of which here which is, is kind of cool honestly but that is pretty cool uh, but yeah so essentially they're making up rules and words and shit essentially they're the same thing but bungie liked paracausality as a term more and now it literally they they made a word into existence they will the word into existence there you go i i still i still like the idea that that a causality is something like spontaneous combustion like that thing sitting in front of me with no type of interaction whatever like 
it, it, friction didn't rub against it to cause it to heat up to then spark and then poof flame started it just like went from zero to a thousand instantaneously and exploded whereas paracausality is kind of along the same lines but it didn't just explode it changed into something completely different that has its own set of rules and logics to itself that have nothing to do with the rules and logics of this this universe. I like I like that definition. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I'm going to use going forward. So, but they, you know, the Awoken have discovered that they're all inherently a certain level of acausal. They all inherently can change the molecules that pass through their body to some slight degree based on their emotional state and their love, you know their I mental love, mood i love the scientists because <laughs> again we see ashamir's logic here what they do the first thing they wanted to test something they shot something at it yep <laughs> they just shot a just did, was it sterile neutrinos uh i believe it was a neutrino beam yeah neutrino beam okay so it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> Just, I could just imagine Asher. Hmm. I wonder what happens if we shoot something at you. And the other Woken going, what? What? What do you mean? I don't. Don't shoot me. We're 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 not immortal anymore. No, no, no. This is for science. It's fine. Sit down, assistant. <laughs> that's that's what I imagine happened in the Jensen Labs here. And the assistant's just like, uh, Mara. Mara's like, fuck it. Sit down. <laughs> do what he says. Do what he says. He's the magic man now. You, you got to listen to him now. You're his subject. You yes, you've been promoted from assistant to subject. I like this term. <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss Asher so much. Like I definitely I I miss Asher. But yeah, so that so secret physics is what Mara calls it. But it's it's definitely like it it's it's magic. I'm gonna refer to it as magic from here on out. I mean, the scientist um, in the group literally calls it magic, so I think it's right. pretty safe. <laughs> Keldawage is like it's it's magic, and it's interesting too because even here she starts to call her your Majesty, and and even Mara's like stop it, like so even Mara doesn't. It's as much as Mara is thinking of herself as the not crowned ever queen. She's still not fully accepting that title, and I think that's that's an interesting thought here that that all of her people are willing to to maybe not willing willing might not be the right word, but all of her people are referring to her as that, and she is still not wanting to accept it as as herself yeah so that's that was an interesting point there to to see there and I think maybe um you know that this might inform some of her character a little bit uh because we we know based on or at least i i would i would uh argue that we know based on her interactions with alice lee prior to them leaving she still has a little bit of like an innocent insecure side to her she still absolutely she still has a little bit of that like imposter syndrome i guess yeah Uh, even though she's you know orchestrated a whole bunch of politicking and a whole bunch of conflicts like she still doesn't feel like she should be the one that has the title to lead to the actual leader right like and and it's funny too that that she wasn't one that because that's even back in the in the and we mentioned this a lot too 
even back when she was in the the Exodus Green, when she was in that room with Alice Lee, she's like, "This is what I want to be. I want to be the captain of a ship. I want to be the." But now that she's put in that position, now she's like, "Well, shit, this shit's hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it." <laughs> Let me go back to being the cult of personality. <laughs> I don't know if it's that she thinks it's hard. Um, I think it comes back to her original discussion with Alice Lee prior to being awoken, where you know she she has her goals that she's trying to accomplish, and you know she didn't ask to be anyone's role model, but everyone decided that she was someone worth oh. following. And I I think it's a case of that like. You know, she doesn't see herself as someone worthy of being followed, uh, even if people share her ideals. It's it's like a fresh actor that that did a really good job in in like their first movie. Now all of a sudden, everyone's looking up to him like, "Hey, you did really cool!" Like I, you know, da 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 da. Like they didn't they don't realize from that moment forward they are now building a a a, a personality around themselves that cult of personality around themselves. And even if they, whether they wanted it or not, they stepped into a war with the Cabal. No, uh, whether they <laughs> wanted it or not, they now have this, this level of, of, I, I don't know what to call it, responsibility or whatever, but they do. And, and people start looking up to them and treating them as royalty and treating them as, as something better than themselves. So yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. I think, I think that, uh, that, that, Mara having had this cult of personality develop around her and and even her help influence all those events in the distributary all the way up to this point her people still look to her like that like cuz and and that I think that's something to mention too some of these people that have come with her are part of the 891 the actual yes. crew mm -hmm. like these aren't all just you know partial distributary born partial there 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 are some distributary born with them obviously um there's some of the original 891 crew which in my thought i'm curious and i don't think this is ever explained anywhere how much of the 891 remember everything before becoming awoken there are very few that do mm -hmm. obviously mara and and um aldrin and alice lee are obvious prominent figures that do remember what it was before that but how much of the 4,000 or the 40,000 that were in cryo, how much did they remember before? Or did their consciousness just start getting pulled together and all they knew was, was a distributary? So that's that I, and, I and how many much. of them? Well, I don't think it is either. And is that by Mars design? Well, maybe. Um, but I know there was a reference from. Uh, I believe it was Sheer in one of our, I think, last week's episode even, uh, where she mentions something about like not having a very good memory about what it was, you know, what her life was like pre-Awoken. Um, yep. And I imagine that's probably... And then the little common. tag to it was few of the 891 do. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's it's just probably a case where not that many people do remember much, maybe bits and pieces, but that's it. Interesting. And I and again I still attribute that to Mara. Like she couldn't have known everything about everyone to be able to pull their consciousnesses together and give them corporeal form in the distributary. So whatever memories they had must have just been interactions that she had with them and what she remembered of them. 
God, that's kind of a, that's a fucky thought. Or maybe she didn't want them to remember what they had before because she wanted them to be more malleable to have a higher chance of them leaving with her. Damn it, miss. I'm taking, I'm taking your theory crafting away. (laughs) I keep, I keep trying to. (laughs) I swear your theory crafting keeps getting better and better. Okay, have it. It's mine. Exactly. And then, of course, at the very end of this, we have Aldrin. Aliens! <laughs> I found aliens. I think, they tried to kill when, me. When, when it's like that, I think of that meme, right? With the guy with oh, the hair. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, aliens. But instead, in this, in this sense, he's got one hand out, aliens. And the other end is holding his fucking throat together because they slashed his throat. And he's just like, aliens! <laughs> From Aldrin's perspective, he's probably really excited to be the first one to confirm alien life and to be the first one to survive it. Because that's that's his thing. That was the other thing I was going to mention. Like he survived it, so this is still Aldrin testing himself, mm-hmm. seeing what he how he gets stronger by what he survives. And for him to have survived an alien race trying to slit his throat, he's he's got to be he's got to be feeling pretty good right now. But to everyone else in the room, he looks like the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so we've discovered magic and aliens. They've been back maybe. What, maybe a month? And they've discovered magic and aliens. It's not all bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's something. But with with this information now, they have to make some decisions. Uh and that gets us into uh Revanche two, which is the next uh next chapter, but it's a different book. So Revanche one was the very end of Maracena. Revanche two now is the technically beginning chapter of uh the awoken of the reef um but it is a direct continuation and it goes like this mara calls a caucus of elected representatives in the sacred fire one of the largest hulks in the reef of derelicts the fire was built to support habitat construction on four vesta where mara hopes to one day anchor the entire flotilla and set down roots but the hopeful, fearful faces before her make Mara afraid that it'll never happen. What if everyone runs off at the first hint of home, coming so far across worlds and eons to see Earth again? How can she ask them to hold back now? We've found humanity, she tells them. We've found our ancestors. The cheer of triumph and wonder thrills her to the marrow. Most of these woken are distributary born, raised on myths of humanity and the traveler. She has just opened the pages of their storybooks and conjured them to life. What remains of the human species lives in a single settlement. She nods to Aldrin, who snaps his fingers for footage. His ship's holographic perspective plunges through fluffy strata of clouds and mist out into the clear air. A lucid vista, a perfect instant. The white mountains, the city, and the enormous shattered sphere that hangs above it. Freeze, Aldrin commands. That is the traveler. As the crowd murmurs and thrills, Mara feels herself brittle. She doesn't like that thread of reverence. She doesn't like the traveler looming there, almost but not quite completely dormant like a dying heart ripped from its body and thrown into warm water. 
It ebbs and flutters if you look at it with the right sensors. If the traveler had the power to protect anyone, wouldn't it protect more than one huddled settlement? Icelia, daughter of Celia, leaps up from the crowd, too small to make it on her own, but buoyed up by enthusiastic neighbors. What are we waiting for? she calls. That's everything we came to find. They need us, and that's where we belong. Aldrin and Mara trade glances. Aldrin snaps his finger, and the recording resumes. Something moves in the treetops. The canopy roils and parts. A red-brown aircraft shaped like a fat, wingless, furiously angry dragonfly bursts from cover and climbs to intercept. Aldrin's head-cued camera tracks the target, and Mara imagines his narrow grin as he waits for the other guy to make a move. The dragonfly ship drops a brace of little needles, and they erupt into dirty orange flame and come arrowing after Aldrin. Everyone in the caucus gets an earful of his grunts as he whips through a high-G turn and climbs away. Those are fallen, Aldrin says. They're a species of interstellar scavengers and subsistence pirates. They've been here for a long time, and they've sacked most of the large settlements that survived the original fall of humanity. There may be more fallen than there are humans left on Earth. He lifts his chin to bear the pale scar across his throat. I landed and went looking for prisoners. I was ready when he pulled two knives on me, but it turns out he had an extra set of arms. Nervous laughter. Worse, Mara adds, beckoning for panes of deep space passive sensor data. They're all over the solar system. We've detected flotillas of their interstellar ships around Jupiter and Venus. They don't go near Mars, but only because it's under occupation by another alien species. Mercury is, well, you can see for yourself, gasps of horror at the clockwork cinder, all that remains of the legendary garden world. We believe this may be the work of the Vex a machine species listed in Shipspire's Threat Index. Isilia, famed historian, puts voice to the plea in the crowd. So they need our help, don't they? We have to go to them. Our ships, our technology. We could all make the difference. No. Mara collapses the projected images before her hands. She stayed up late wrestling with this dilemma which kept her from wrestling with Sheer. It was a choice she had to make alone. We can't reveal our existence, lest the fallen track us down. We need more information. Our focus must remain on securing this derelict reef, bootstrapping industry and a population, and scouting out the solar system. Mara, with all due respect, all my genuine gratitude for bringing us here, Cecilia sighs. Who died and made you queen? Mara says nothing, but she thinks. Everyone, Cecilia. All of us died and made me queen. That's the end of that one. So we're starting to get a, a bit of a timeline here. Or, or not not necessarily a timeline, but we're we're definitely getting kind of our a, a footing of 
where we are in the history of um, the soul system. Uh, obviously, they found that, you know, there's humanity. It's right there. Single city. Uh, traveler looming over it and everything. So this is... And we, we know that uh, the city... The 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 last city, which is uh, that's when you when you as the guardian in game go to the tower and you're looking at the at the traveler there, like that is the last city. That's the that's what it's called in game. That's that's everything about it. Yeah, uh, but we know that it was built. We know that uh, Zavala helped build it. Um, so this is which that's kind of an interesting thought there too. Zavala's awoken, but he helped build the last city. There might be some retconning we might need to fix here. Um, yeah, and even further, they talk about um, warlords, which, not to say that warlords couldn't have existed when the last city was around, but um, I think that most of the warlords were wiped out by the time the city age started. Uh, so what what this might be though, um. Is they they refer to it? Let's see. Do they do they ever call it a city or do they call it a settlement? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Because I I I don't have sources for this off the top of my head. Um, other than I guess I'm pretty sure it shows some of this in the Zavala uh, cinematic about Zavala's origins. Right. Um, I'm fairly certain that this what became the city that Zavala built started as just a bunch of shacks started as like that's where people congregated to was under the traveler because it was the only place they could think to go to have some amount of safety um sure so that that might be what they're seeing is this like makeshift you know refugee town that eventually becomes the city that that might be what they're looking at right now okay because Zavala helped build the walls, right. not necessarily the city. Okay, that's starting to come together now. Yep. And the fact, the fact that he even talks about, you know, the, the, the fallen ship that's, that's... So we have, we have a name for this alien that slit his throat, um, the fallen. Because uh, he even talks about it just lifting up out of the trees and, like, nothing, nothing's there to kind of, like, shoot it down or anything like that. So I, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that the city or settlement, whatever they're describing it as here, in this in this video feed that Ultron has, it's just it's it's not the last. It is the last city, but it's like the very very beginnings of the last city. It's like what you're describing it as a bunch of little hobbled together huts and every 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 everyone in the everyone kind of gathered together to just for mutual protection from anything else that's outside the 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 city, and possibly even even protection from warlords. Right? Like yeah, we know that the Iron Lords. Um, the Iron Lords were, uh, were they were they were they at the same time of the Warlords? Yeah, yeah, because they helped wipe out the Warlords. Um, yeah, the the Iron Lords were kind of the very first um, police force, I guess. Uh, they would they would patrol <laughs> pre Guardian Guardians. Yeah, and, and we saw some of this even in the most recent um, lore books and cinematic from Saladin in the previous. Oh yeah, season. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Iron Lords would have areas that they would patrol. And yeah. try and you know keep the peace or, or keep order, I. Uh, and you know they now it sounds like those areas are so large that they may not return to the same spot for a number of years, 
but they right you know they were out there trying to help more or less especially with that cinematic with the little girl yeah. Where like she was just trying to steal bread, and then she comes, he comes back, and she's grown up, and she's basically a warlord now. Yep, a mortal one, but yeah, mortal war. Yeah, um, <laughs> so so not necessarily a warlord, just kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we we've got this uh, this congregation of people. Yep. Um, and they talk about like this is the city. These are the, there are these people here, and then they show this is the traveler and and this is this reverence about this thing that um and she mentions a lot of the people here are distributary born they they don't they never had memories of the traveler of of the golden age so it's all it's all been this myth it's been this this storybook that they've heard about all their lives and now it's here in front of them uh and yeah she doesn't like the kind of hold the traveler seems to have on people. She doesn't like that people just instantly give it this like religious reverence. And that's that's the same things that's the same thoughts that she had back on Exodus Green. Yeah, that hasn't I changed. Think. Um I think Mara to to you know really dumb it down at this point, she is pro Earth, pro humanity. I don't I don't want to say anti-traveler but she doesn't she believes that humanity should be she believes humanity should be beyond the the you know dependency of the traveler sure that that i yeah that's that's probably the better the better wording of it rather than traveler war but traveler dependency absolutely i think she's she's like yeah screw that big ball why are why are we thinking this thing is a god it's just a machine Right. Like, and and she's saying like if it had the power to protect anyone, why did it only, why why didn't it do more than this one little huddled settlement underneath it? And that's and I think that te- that sentence there is more telling than anything else that this is just a hobbled set of huts that are that are just hobbled underneath it trying to survive. Yeah, like this is definitely post collapse. Uh, um. I mean, way beyond the collapse. The traveler is dormant. I, at least, I think that the traveler is dormant here in this instance, uh, and that people are just gathering underneath it because they don't like what you're saying. They don't know what else to do, right? Other than start gathering together and praying, they can make it through the night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we all, you know, now it's also kind of a a rude awakening for the awoken that came here that humanity is not the majority population in this in this solar yeah. system anymore. Uh the fallen may outnumber them on their own and now there's also the cabal which they refer to the the aliens on Mars and there's the vex yep. which they as as we had talked about before even the ship spire even Exodus Green knew that they were a threat already. Like that was a threat that existed in the golden age. I did like that. So they, so they do know that the Vex were a threat, but they didn't know the extent of the threat until now coming back and seeing what, what, right. Mer- what has happened to Mercury. So they, they have all of these insurmountable challenges that they, they yep. were not prepared to be facing. And, uh, you know, the, there's at least one member of the Awoken and and it seems to be something that is felt by others that 
that's what we're here for. We're here to go help them. We're here to help them survive these invading species. Like, this is the fight. Let, let's go do yep. it. Oh, because that brings up an interesting thought. They think that that's the fight that they escaped because they're all distributary born. Or a majority of them are distributary born. None of them ever they saw the know. darkness. Yeah. Right. Interesting. I never thought of it like that either. Man, Mitt, you are on top of it tonight. Well, whether or not they think that's the fight, they still see like that's their purpose of being here is to go help humanity. So let's go do it. Um, yeah. And Mara has, you know, has had the same thought. And she has struggled with the the do we just go all in and send help right away or you know she she kind of comes to the decision that we're not going to be helping anybody if we are so gung-ho that we end up losing ourselves in the process you know we need to get established we need to get stable and make sure that we can take care of ourselves before we start trying to take care of other people you know it's you know it's funny about that thought that's the thought of a leader. We're starting to see the leadership of Mara take over. The the actual queen portion of her kind of start forming now. And uh and that's that's echoed at the very end with one of the people that wants to leave going, "Well, who died and made you queen, Mara?" And Mara <laughs> doesn't say anything, but in her head she's like, "Everyone's lives are in my hands. Like you yeah. you all either you you are all going to die and by you know and by following me you you've kind of established me as the as the leader here so the other little interesting bit is that if there was any doubt prior to this of the nature of the relationship between Shiraido and Marasov uh it is pretty <laughs> pretty well established at this point um <laughs> where where's the line i gotta find it uh she stayed up late wrestling with this dilemma which kept her from wrestling with sheer like <laughs> come on hot, <laughs> hot. it's pretty black and white uh no so uh that brings us then to um the revanche three uh which is still in this this book the awoken of the reef um and mara's got dissenting opinions on her hands now uh she's got a group that is saying we want to go help the the humans we're here we found them let's go and then there's her and those that are following her and and making the decision of like we need to get stable before we do anything else and this conflict is it, it eats away at her and we see that in this next one which goes like this it's bad, Shiraido says, confirming what Mara already knows, but nonetheless performing the valuable service of mopping away all the blood and tears and allowing Mara to glimpse the actual shape of the wound that divides her people. Not a literal wound, though she is right now tending to Aldrin's scar, tweezing tiny fragments of fallen metal out for analysis. But the rift in her reef, the schism, now re-schismatic, as if the quake that split the distributary awoken from Mara's people is now firing off aftershocks. 
She should have known this would happen. She shouldn't have told them so much about Earth. How bad? She asks. Sheer pokes Aldrin in the, in the hard gut, where a passing line of molten metal left a red burn. He's under anesthesia, but he snarls at her anyway. As of the last caucus, I'd say 30% of the expedition wants to head for Earth. If you ask the 891, though there aren't 891 of them anymore, it's more like 80%. Mara swears and pulls a bloody line of solidified slag from her brother. Unacceptable. We can't lose their skills. Or their genes. The Awoken have yet to adapt to the attrition of this harsh, space-born world, and tentative mothers are still in the early stages of designing their babes. It's vital to maintain a diverse gene pool, and the fallen will vector them back to us. I know, Shear says heavily. That's when I'm going to die. The most horrible thing about the words is that they slap down on Mars' consciousness like face-up cards, like truth revealed. Unacceptable, she barks, and then both she and Shear begin laughing, and then at last, Mara shakes her head and growls. You can't know that, Shear. No one can know that. I do. I don't know how, but I do. I know it's going to be something I choose to do, and it's going to be incontrovertibly heroic, which is enough for me. But if that's true, Mara proposes, flinching away from the personal conversation that really they really ought to have, and all its attendant rawness. If you die when fallen attack us, it means I won't stop these people from fleeing the earth. And the fallen are going to find us, and we're doomed. She's already building intricate models of how the universe might accommodate fate or doom, and how she might go about destroying those things. Could be, I suppose. Sure pulls a parchment-thin rag of dead flesh off Aldrin's wound. Look, I'm the queen's bodyguard. I always expected I'd die violently. I am not the queen. Maybe that's your problem. She flicks Aldrin in the chest, leaving a purple bruise, fading. What is with you two, anyway? You never talk about him. You never seem to think about him at all. But he's dashing himself to pieces for you. How to live as his favorite and only sister for so many centuries, and hardly even smile at him, Secrets, Mara thinks. You've got to have secrets from each other, so there's room for him to fill in the gaps with his own happy illusions. Two ships joined together rigidly will tear each other apart if they try to move. But a loose tether leaves room to maneuver and can be more quickly disengaged, if necessary. That makes her think of Shear's prophecy again. She sets the shrapnel down in the dissection dish. Very gently. You won't die. I won't allow it. 
that's the end of that chapter. So this one, this one is is very telling of of a lot of things. Um, primarily the 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 schism that's starting to to form between the. I I I I don't want to call them reborn yet, but I'm going to start calling them reborn because that's that's definitely what they're starting to become. They even mention that the the mothers are still trying to figure out their babies, right? Like they're still trying to figure out how to have babies because it's it's this this is a whole new set of physics to some of these people that they've never had to experience or even understand before and a whole new set of laws governing everything that is just completely foreign to a lot of these a lot of these people. And so there's that divide, right? Like it's 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 like that it's it's funny cuz it's like even Mara mentions it here. It's it's that that divide redivided, the aftershock, you know? The first divide being the awoken in the distributary and the and now the reefborn awoken. And now they're we're here at the reef. Well, it's not called the reef yet, but we're here in the asteroid belt. These flotilla of ships that are kind of strung together very loosely. Uh, every, there's a split going through the people, um, and it sounds like it's not a very, it's not a one-sided split. It's not even an, or, it's, or sorry, it's not a uh, even split. It's it's a very one-sided split <laughs> that a lot of them are like, let's go. We need to help this this. Almost looking at Mara like. You told us this is why we're coming back to help these people. So let's go help these people. But Mara still has that 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 leadership in her that that we need to establish ourselves. We can't just run in balls first, gung ho, shoot you know shoot first, ask questions later. Because and she doesn't say it out loud, but look at Aldrin. Aldrin, she's pulling shrapnel and shit from Aldrin. This this poor guy is half dead, and. Like that that's just a scouting party. If they go in full force, more than likely they I mean they're gonna they're possibly gonna get wiped out. And so Mara's trying to show their people like, look, we need to slow down, we need to we need to establish this. And of course, she even says, like, if they do if they do split off on their own and and try to try to help, the fallen are just gonna drive them right back to us, and then the fallen will know exactly where we are. And now we're in a bigger world of shit. <laughs> so yeah. Um and pair that yeah. with Shear's prophecy. You know, her, yeah. her prophecy of, of her own death being at the hands of fallen that are invading the reef. Um, that just kind of confirms Mara's worst fears of well, if if your vision, however you got it, is true then that means the fallen do find us. And that means that we're, we're doomed. Yeah. And that was something I wanted to ask too. Do we have any, like, I, I knew about this, this prophecy that she has about her own, her, the vision of her own death. Where did this come from? Is this the only mention of it other than later on? Like, uh, as far as I know, um, I I think it's probably I don't think we have any direct explanation that we're offered. Um, however, is this a form of a causality. I I think it's probably a little bit of of the awoken magic going on. Um, I think it's also we we find uh, that Mara seems to have a little more of this awoken magic than others. 
uh, in, oh, in later absolutely. chapters. And Mara also has visions of her own demise. And maybe just by nature of being so close to Mara or, or in, you know, consistent contact with her, it is also given sure a higher level of, of, you know, this a causality that has gifted her, her own visions. But so we, we have this, uh, you know, this prophecy, um, and we also have Mara like denying it saying, yeah, I won't allow this. This is not, this is not unacceptable. And it's, it's interesting too. Cause like when, when Sheer first mentions this and, and she talks about it here, the line that she has is, you know, look, I'm the queen's bodyguard. I always expected I'd die violently. And so it, I always, I never, I never fully understood if this was a full-on prophecy from from Sheer, or if this is just like because she's the queen's bodyguard, it by nature of being a bodyguard, something bad is going to happen to her. So she's just trying to, she's just kind of drawing her own conclusions. But it seems like it is an actual prophecy. Like she can, she had a, some sort of vision or something that showed this to her, and now Mara is just straight up like, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to stop it from happening. She specifically mentions that, uh, you know, when Mara says, and the fallen will vector them back to us, Shira then specifically says, yes, they will, yep. because that's when I'm going to die. So, like, I, I think it's, it's very much a specific vision of this is what's happening at, at my demise. Um, yep. So, yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting. She makes a comparison here. With Aldrin, you know, Shira asks her, like, how how do you stay, how do you keep your own brother at arm's length when he's, you know, putting himself in mortal danger for you? So, so addicted to that, that, uh, what do we use, what was the phrase we used last time? Addicted to her approval. Yeah. Um, but she uses the analogy for Aldrin of... Like, if two ships are connected by a rigid barrier, they'll tear each other apart. But if you keep a loose tether, one can maneuver without destroying the other. Um, and I, I, that analogy, I think, is interesting because then she immediately after that comes to the mind, you know, says again, like, I will not let you die which seems to imply yeah. to me that that rigid connection might not exist for Aldrin, but she's slowly discovering it does exist for Sheer. Like, oh, yeah. destroying one destroys the other kind of yep. kind of thing. Well, and, and then the other line, too, that she adds as kind of like an afterthought, uh, talking, about Aldrin, talking about the relationship with Aldrin, and can be, and can be more quickly disengaged mm-hmm. if necessary. Like she knows that she, that it's easier to just cut Ultron loose than it is to cut Sheer loose. It seems like yeah. it's that's and and that she's that she she knows that that's a thing and that she would be willing to do that. Like this 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 person that is addicted to her approval, she's willing to just cut him off. That's it's yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I uh, Sheer has confirmed for Mara that. There is a, a percentage, a large percentage by some counts, of the awoken people that are want to leave. Uh, and those tensions eventually boil over. 
and we get our next chapter, which is Revanche 4. And it goes like this. Of all the disasters that might happen in space, riot is the worst. Breaches can be contained, fires can be starved, plague can be quarantined, radiation shielded, heat vented, but a riot has a will of its own. A chaotic ingenuity that corrodes any countermeasure. Mara crawls through compartments choked with vaporized coolant. She keeps low and clutches the breather to her face. All she can think of is Kelda Wadge's last message and the data attached. Mara, the paracausal effects are strongest around you. Whatever's happened to us, you are the locus. I cannot overstate how subtle and how important this discovery might be. Mara, when we use radioactive decay as a trigger for, simulating, for simulated bombs, bombs that could harm the Awoken, the trigger atoms are a thousandfold less likely to decay near you. People are literally safer when you are around. She has to get into the riot. She has to protect her people. A horrible groan vibrates through the habitat structure, and then, with an apocalyptic shudder, something tears off the reef. A ship. A ship is leaving. Mara has failed. Mara drops onto her belly and pants into the mask. Then, cringing in anticipation of migraine, she activates the augment. The jury-rigged machine her Utex produced for exactly this purpose by extracting Mara's ruined distributary implants and reworking them. She's going to fire a command override to shut down the ship systems. But then she realizes it's a salvaged human vessel, deaf to her commands. She gasps in frustration, sucking down cold bottled air. Sure. I'm here, her radio whispers, pinned down in the dockmaster's office. I shot a few in the shoulders, and they seem to have gotten the idea. Let them go. If one ships away, there's no sense holding back the rest. Our position is compromised. Understood. Broadcast to everyone. I'm going to allow anyone who wants to leave the reef to go. This is their one and only chance. She rolls onto her back and stares up into the swinging vortices of coolant, seeing faces, futures, the lives she has just lost, the lives she might yet lose. She brought her people here to die in the sense that she brought them into mortality, but she never wanted it to happen quickly. They know, your majesty, Sheer says. They already know. What? You told us. We heard your voice. Awe like gratitude in Sheer Ido's voice. Mara, I heard you. You spoke to me. And that's the end of that chapter. So this this one is is the end of it is the realization of of that Mara's powers are growing like this is like she knows as much because of the research that they've been doing on themselves and and to each other 
to see what what is what is this a causality and now they're starting to refer to it as paracausal paracausal so i think you're right in the in the, in the i think you're right from earlier like a a causality and paracausality are the same thing it's just the word paracausality is a it sounds cool so it's it's like edge lord and maru <laughs> like yeah so um but yeah so it it's um and i and i like i like that she that that first paragraph too that you know like of all the disasters that might happen in space right it right is the worst like everything else there just made sense you know you can contain a breach you can suffocate a fire you can this and that you can shield radiation da, 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 da. but like a riot and and this is that whole mob mentality right like as soon as a mob forms and shit just hits the fan and there's no shutting it down and it's it's in space what what is there to do in space like it like you're talking the infinite vacuum the void the nothingness for a riot to happen there i i i can't even fathom that right like i i can't even imagine what that would be like and so um Mara's like, I got to get to these people because of the fact that she knows that her, whatever this paracausality, whatever this magic that's forming with her and her people, it's strongest around her and that people are literally safer. Like people take less damage from atomic bombs, from nuclear bombs. That, that is, that is paracausality in itself. Like if you, if I can, if I can set off a nuclear bomb next to myself and stop the radioactive decay that's happening that's paracausality that's that's causing something to change into something else without having to physically do anything to it that's that's man that's 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 kind of awe-inspiring and they tied this uh the the change uh around awoken the ability to change molecules that pass through them in their tests they said that the changes were based on the mental state the emotional state of the awoken that they were testing so i i kind of take that piece and uh bring it into this idea of like people are literally safer around mara and i attribute that to mara just having that extreme of a you know will to protect her people at all costs she is literally willing their safety into existence. Right. The the will will given form. Oh, that's gonna come into play later on. Oh, I know this. <laughs> okay. Uh so yeah, so she's trying to get to these people. Um, all of a sudden, boom, that shutter happens. The this ship breaks off and and she's like, I'm gonna shut it down with a with a thought and realizes that it's a human vessel that was salvaged and so it has no connection to her or her thoughts mm-hmm. and so she just says to Sheer, all right let him go man i i can't it if they're gonna break off they're gonna break off you know this schism is has has formed a fathom between people again like this is this is a you know if they want to go they they're gonna go and so uh, she says, you know, I want to broadcast to everyone. I'm, I just, you know, if this is your one chance, if you want to go, this is it. But after this point, if if you want to, like, there is no, there is no splitting from here on out. Like, you're either part of the the group that wants to go help Earth, or you're part of the Reform. Um, 
And Shear's like, yeah, we already know. So does literally every person that came with us. We can hear you. Like, we, we can hear your thoughts. You are telepathic. So just straight up confirming that second that second edict, right? Like that second, like her her voice is in everyone's ears because they are all telepathic with each other. They have some sort of telepathic link with each other. Yeah. Uh so Mara has decided we're gonna let these people go rather than try and force them here and potentially do more harm to you know because they're they're clearly they're willing to leave by force uh so we're only going to do more harm to the few of us that are here if we if we try and you know push it uh so that brings us then to this one's gonna be kind of a uh an interesting one i'm gonna read part of revenge 5 i'm gonna interject a little side story there and then read the second part of Revenge 5 because it timeline wise it kind of fits in the middle um okay so i'll i'll kind of try and note that as a when i jump around here but so yeah starting on that chapter uh it goes like this thus the riven awoken were riven again into reefborn and earthborn those who left went to scour the ruins for lost history and give some succor to their human cousins who still clung to a hostile world the awoken came unto these humans like nephilim armed with lost weapons forgotten industry and medicine they were like omens of hope for they were often taken to be starborn colonists returned to the hearth which was not after all so far from the truth all who looked on them saw that the night sky contained more than lurking doom. They bred true with each other and sometimes hybridized with humans, and in the course of centuries many forgot the distributary and even the reef. However, there was always in their souls an itch, a vector pointing to a distant place in the asteroid belt where their queen still dwelt. They've made a difference already, Shearer told Mara, not long after the first Awoken made planet fall on Earth. They'll save so many lives just with the provision of medicine, pure water, and construction supplies, that even if they all died by year's end, they would each yield ten or twenty humans. I know, Mara said with bitter pride. Let the people remember them as saints. And paladins, and tell no one how many more they might have saved if they had only kept the faith. For she knew the precious value of each awoken life. She knew how many she would have to spend and mourned each soul wasted on a lesser purpose. So we're going to pause in that chapter. Um, and I actually want to read a uh, bit of a lord card from the weapon canis major which came out in season of the lost um and it's going to introduce us to what uh, a very important character that many of us probably know uh petra venge uh what she was doing at this time 
um, as a, a young, awoken, uh, presumably born in the reef. Uh, it's going to be a little weird perspective because she's talking, she's like reminiscing uh, with somebody talking in a past tense, but as far as her life that she's talking about at this point, it, it fits here chronologically. Um, so again, this is Canis Major and uh, Petra has this to say about her early life. I began the training first, Petra explained, but I found it difficult. It didn't come naturally to me, not like this, she nodded toward the grenade launcher sitting beside her. Imar didn't make it any easier. He was one of the oldest and the only male Techian I ever met. I never felt like he gave me an honest chance. Petra paused to consider. Maybe he'd already looked in the future and saw that I'd wash out. I didn't know exactly how unsuited I was until my sister started her training, Petra continued. Right away, Pinar and I began having long conversations inside our dreams. We'd talk all night and wake up with full memories of what we'd said. That was the first time I realized how powerful she'd become. Petra lowered her eyes. Of course, Pinar was Imar's favorite. And the more quickly she progressed, the stronger our shared dreams became. It didn't take long before it was more than just talking. She began to manipulate the dreams, changing locations or her shape. I couldn't keep up. It was like being a passenger in my own head. Her dreams became my nightmares. Petra shook her head as if dislodging an unwelcome memory. That's when I quit the training, and the dreams stopped. Eventually, I found my place in the Corsairs. But part of me wishes I had finished my training as a Techian. If I had, maybe I could still find Pinar out there in a dream somewhere. So I'm going to stop. That's the only relevant bit for this particular weapon. But so just solidifying that during this time where the the earthborn and the reefborn have you know formed and are doing their own things uh petra venge started as a uh trainee to become what we now know as techians um tech tech witches you guardians call them <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh to to quote petra venge <laughs> Uh, needless to say, she did not have a knack for it, um, although her sister did, and Petra ended up eventually leaving Techian training, um, which this all took place on a, uh, a, I guess, ship? I'm, I'm not sure how they qualified it. Not a planet, but a, a location well, called Amethyst. The Reef. Right, but it was within the reef. Oh, it was a, a okay. place called gotcha. Amethyst, which was a part of the reef, and I'm not, I'm not really sure how they, gotcha, how they designate. Probably, probably like, probably like one of the asteroids or one of the ships or something like yeah. that. Yeah, because the reef, from my understanding, the reef is literally just cobbled together pieces of rock, and it's, it's literally in the asteroid belt. It's, it's chunks of rock and chunks of comet, and whatever, whatever got tied together. I mean, we, we didn't really touch on it a lot 
in in one of the early in, in uh, one of the earlier entries we read tonight, but they talked about how like Petra was like using her bow to <laughs> harpoon shit together and put shit into orbit with her bow, and and Shears just like yeah, I'm a badass. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's literally just hobbled together space junk for lack of a better term. Uh, so yeah, I would think that the amethyst would just be one bit of that space junk. Yeah. Um, but so we have, you know, the, the reefborn are staying in the reef, the earthborn have left and, and Shear says even shortly after they, they've left that like, they're helping, they're saving people. Each one awoken is yielding, you know, 10 or 20 human lives that can continue because just simply because they were there. Um, yep. And Mara is saying, you know, is prideful of that, is saying, like, yes, they're they are helping people. We will remember them as saints and paladins. And we will not tell people how many more lives they could have saved if they had stayed with us. That's that's the telling part there to me. That's like the that's that's almost like the that's like the Alice Lee in her, right? Like that's like the the every awoken life means every awoken life means that much more mm-hmm. infinitely more than than as a whole as a group of awoken rather than the individual yes the individual is powerful the individual awoken is a very powerful being unto its own right but as a whole as a group the awoken are an insanely infinitely more powerful group because of things like this paracausality, right? Because of being able to to stay near Mara and literally Mara will them into continuing to exist and to stop them from dying, essentially. Like, yeah, that's and 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 I wanted to mention this uh, here. I think <clears throat> uh, centuries they bred true with each other and sometimes hybridized with humans. And in the course of centuries, many forgot the distributary and even the reef. Yes. Well, I, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening chronologically. Like, I, I think that's oh, a like. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, it's it's this more like grand sweeping, um, you know, and the the you know Earthborn came down and and these are all the things that happened but I don't think they're saying centuries passed and then the next events went on I think that's just a like gotcha this is generally speaking these are the results of of this division because gotcha um, when sure then says they're making a difference tomorrow it specifically says not long after the first awoken made planet fall on earth so it Gotcha. They're bringing us back okay. to a chronological time. I there. see. I see what you're saying. They're they're saying centuries in the term of like, yeah, over the course of time, this is what's yeah. happening. Or you know, they they eventually forgot that they were that they were distributary born, but that they're not saying that they forgot that because that's how much time has passed right now. They're just over the course of time that they forgot. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I'm 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 following you now. But but it does say. Even when they forgot the distributary in the reef, they still had an itch, a vector, pointing to a distant place where their queen still dwelt. So I think she absolutely placed that connection in them when 
they came over. Like exactly the back to those three edicts, right? Like a vector within each person, and that vector isn't necessarily towards Earth. That vector is towards Mara, mm-hmm. and that's I think I think because it's back towards like here when they mention that vector being towards Mara, I think you're 100 percent right. I think she is setting the rules for their return. Like she doesn't have a whole lot of control over it because it's still it's back within a physical. It's back within the soul system, back within a, a already established universe that has physics and laws and all that jazz. But she has at least influence, and that little bit of influence has created that vector back to her, the, the telepathy. You know, like that's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100% on this one. Yeah. She, she created that. That all came from Mara, in my opinion. In, in my opinion of your theory of the fact that that happened. Yeah, follow that train of thought. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 leave a little bit of a cliffhanger here. Um but yeah, so uh the only other thing that I wanted to touch on too is at the very beginning of this uh thus the Riven awoken were Riven again. So Riven meaning uh split or divide. Yep. So yep. they they are the twice Riven. Um the Reefborn Riven, and I guess even the Earthborn Riven are are twice Riven, um, which will come into play next episode, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Aha! Aha! So. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, Myth, you got uh, you got uh, some shoutouts. Yeah. So um, that's where we're gonna be stopping our lore readings for tonight uh and we're gonna do a couple of shout outs that we got um some of these are recent some of these are old because i just recently learned that audible has the ability to to rate and leave comments so uh we we totally forgot we were on audible i don't even know all the places we show up anymore um (laughs) (laughs) we're we're everywhere. <laughs> so to go uh, first, we're going to do some shout outs from Twitter. Um, our first one comes from a PC gamer, Twilight, who says, uh, just started to listen to you guys' podcast over on Spotify. The whole story of Mara was so cool to listen to and uh, and hear the whole Awoken story arc. So uh, glad you're enjoying it. It's probably my favorite story to tell my favorite story within it's, the destiny universe is that of the awoken it's so, because he's awoken I, that's all it is i mean yes my character is awoken in game but yeah yeah <laughs> just wait till we get to the exos all five minutes of them and why we hate clovis <laughs> i it's fine there, it's fine there's a lot more than five minutes but there's a lot of reasons to hate clovis so uh, i'll give you that one our uh next one from twitter comes from uh i believe it's kyo hopefully i have that right uh who says audible listener here this is how i knew we were on audible uh just finished the episode (laughs) uh read it all myself some time ago but as always love to hear your guys's interpretations and thoughts keep the content coming uh loving it still going back over your old episodes too so thank you for that yeah uh We've been, we've been, we're, we're coming up on our, on our one year anniversary here soon. We got about a month, uh, a little over a month before we get to our one year anniversary. Something so like yeah, that. we're, uh, we're trucking along here. Yeah, absolutely. 
we definitely got plenty of content to go to go around and plenty of content to cover. So yeah. Yeah. Stick with us. Woo! Uh so speaking of Audible listeners, um, that got me to go look at Audible, which does in fact have the ability to rate and leave a comment on podcasts. So um some of these are quite old again because i didn't know they existed till now but i'm gonna go through all of them um we've only got a couple here uh and say one of them is from a djs 1991 um says love you guys easy to listen to for destiny lovers and lore lovers alike truly amazing thank you (laughs) i feel like that's yeah that's more than i would expect but uh but it was Always feels good. Um, I I attribute the easy listening to Myth. Uh, he's got that smooth jazz voice, especially when he's doing these re- these readings. Man, it's just Mwah. chef kiss. I'm glad you enjoy it because I hate the sound of my own voice recording. So. <laughs> Does doesn't everyone though? Like everyone yeah. everyone always like I I might be the only person that doesn't mind it, but I a lot of people say the same thing. They hate the sound of their own recorded voice because it doesn't sound the same as it sounds in your head no no it doesn't and i mean i guess i've gotten used to it at this point because i have to hear it over and over when i'm editing but (laughs) still i don't know uh yeah but yeah so uh another one that comes to us from audible um from a j-y-c-e-j jice j i i don't know i don't know how that's supposed to be pronounced um but says uh this podcast is wonderful for trying to make sense of all the lore that is kind of just thrown at you. Uh, great for keeping up on the crazy, confusing lore. So thank you. It it absolutely is. Yeah, it's uh the the lore, and I think that's why Myth and I love this stuff so much. Is it's we I I like trying to look at it from a scientific point of view or like a timeline point of view. Like I try to I try to make this thing to where it's digest. I look at this as it's a, a to to where it's digestible to me. And so I know if I can make sense of it to myself, I I feel like I can have an easier time of making it sense to 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 somebody else. And if somebody if if there's at at least you know a couple thousand people willing to listen to me about it, cool. That's that's more than enough for me. That's yeah. And I think that was one of our goals um, when we first kind of started doing this, uh, mostly for ourselves at the time, as well as our our immediate friends. Um, and now you know, a broader audience, uh, was to try and and figure out and and put in a um put in a, a more easy to understand way all of those lore cards and and really cool stories that exist out there and try and collect them all and, and make them uh you know kind of condense them into one one place, one thing. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm I'm glad that it it sounds like you know you at least feel like we we've been doing that so that, that's cool and and especially with like the the guns and the armor and and there there's so many individual pieces of lore that are outside the lore entries so that's if that's one thing that i've got to say about uh if if you want to kind of dive down that that lore master path read all your entries guys read read your read all the guns that you get read all the pieces of armor you get that's how we're starting to piece this stuff together ourselves. Like we'll see a reference somewhere and we're going to go, Oh wait, that was referenced over in this book over here. And then you go read the book and you're like, Oh, that makes more sense now that that, that that's happening at that time. So it, that's, 
that's where we're starting to make a lot of these connections and and yeah it's it's uh it's fun to to put that put those puzzles together oh yeah um the very first thing i do now when a new season comes out is i immediately go to my collections and like even before i go gather up a new gun or do anything like that I immediately go to the collections page because you can still inspect those guns, whether you've collected them once or not. Um, and I go through and I look for anything that has a lore tab and I, I just read it all in one go armor and weapons uh, and exotics uh, to try and, and figure out like, Oh, is this continuing a piece of a story that I, I remember from elsewhere? Uh, so that that's, you know, if if you're interested, I would highly encourage just, and you don't have to be that uh, that zealous about it, but uh, even just as you get new stuff, you know, hit L1 if it has a lore tab, read through. It's yeah. usually a really cool story. Well, uh, any other shout outs? No, that is it for tonight. All righty. Well, sweet. Uh, I guess I got to give a thank you. Um, I'm going to thank a random person that has joined us in Discord for these last five minutes. Uh, he is a wonderful, beautiful human being, uh, one of our fellow clan members, Tian Italiano. He puts up with our shit, uh, so you don't have to. Uh, so thank you, Tian Italiano. Puts up with our shit, so you don't have to. Never before has there been a more accurate statement. <laughs> I like. I like it. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, then from all of us Lord Nerds to all of you Guardians out there, we'll see you next week.